Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket, Yellow Jacket Athletics and beyond, I guess, is probably the best way to put it. Along with the big sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, and uh, we've hit that point, Matt. We're in February. I guess it's getting a little bit warmer because stuff is melting, and championships are right around the corner now. Everybody's jockeying for that playoff position, and things right. are starting to get fun. Right, yeah, absolutely, and uh, it's funny that you bring up the weather because we spend a lot of time in the usually like in the preamble <laughs> of this uh, podcast talking about the weather and whether it's uh, bad, good, indifferent. <laughs> I kind of wonder. I mean, is there is yeah. that is that because we have some deep seated desire to want to be meteorologists or something? Uh, I think it's you know what, or do we just is... not have enough to talk about where we're going to go small talk weather to start? Well, it, it is such a consideration for us up here because we truly do have four seasons. So in some other shorter country, than it's others, just sort of like, you know, when the, when the temperature always ranges between 70 and 80. Okay. So you're talking about San Diego, right? Yeah. Places like that. I mean, there are parts in this country where that's, you know, the weather is not going to impact whether you can go to a or B, Correct. you know, or from a to B, I should say right here at that does like you actually have to check the weather pretty much every day, especially during the winter to see, make sure that nothing where you're going to end up with 25 inches of snow or something. And it's going to well, blow you off course, but and, it's even yeah. to the point now where you're, you're looking at. It's it, it's different from when I was an athlete here because you got on the bus and you went. Right. And, yeah. you know, now they they take the safety into consideration much more than they did in the past. So right. if you're, if you're going to have a blizzard here, they might not put you on that bus. And right. you might have to move those games around. Right. I mean, that was something that, like, even when I was, you know, a high school athlete, we still paid attention to the weather. But now more than ever, yeah, the question of safety is is paramount now for these schools and for the colleges too. I mean, we've had play. You know, this this winter we have not had to have any games rescheduled due to any kind of weather, but that has happened in the past. Correct. So, um, you know, this year we've been fortunate in that regard. But um, yeah, it's a consideration now. You know, it's it's you know, and rescheduling now has become kind of a. I don't want to say it's become a trend, but I will say that it is not out of the realm of possibility on any at any time. You know, I mean, right. spring being, of course, because of the playing conditions. That's that's the other thing yeah, now, too, like, is every time it snows, you sit there and go, all right, well, there's another couple of days that they're not going to get right. spring sports outside. Like you and I <laughs> have both had hockey and basketball games that have been postponed or moved because of mm-hmm. weather, um, you know, in the past. And we will probably, again, you know, at no some doubt. time. Oh, yeah, no doubt. about it at some point. This year, it looks like we may end up not having that happen. Knock on wood. But uh, really playing with fire there, yeah. Matt. But, I mean, we're used to having now, especially in this COVID, you know, day and age now also, having games kind of pushed around a little bit. Mm -hmm. So, I guess a long way around to saying that, yeah, weather is a consideration up here because we're always wondering whether it's, you know, um, you know, whether the, what the wind chill is going to be, what's the air temperature going to be, is there a front coming in, uh, you know, is there going to be sunshine today? Those are all things that we kind of become up here. I think everyone becomes kind of an amateur meteorologist at a certain level just because you're always looking ahead to see you know, what the weather might bring and how that might mess with schedules. I mean, you and I have talked about that in the past, Sure. you know, over email. You know, when we've talked about these games, it's like, well, we don't know if this might happen. This might not happen now because of this or because of that, mostly mm-hmm. because of weather, though. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, stay tuned is kind of we're always <laughs> kind of judging that. But uh, this year we've been we've been spared. We've been very fortunate. Yeah, a lot of rescheduling issues, especially because of the weather. So that's cool. I think there was one in the fall maybe. Yeah, one in the fall, and then, of course, the Finlandia men's basketball game got pushed back because of, quote-unquote, health problems or Correct. health issues or illness. They called it illness. Yes. Um, but other than that, it's been pretty clean mm-hmm. as far as the schedule. The schedule's been pretty much what it was 
all year long, which makes our lives a lot easier. It does. It yeah. makes our lives easier. It makes it, from the broadcast standpoint, it makes it easier. From the athlete standpoint, it makes it easier because right. you, yeah. you know, you you you, it's reliable. You can get into your routine. You can go do your thing, and you don't have to worry about right. Exactly. You know, okay, are we going to go today? Or are we not going to go today? The worst is when you go. And, and then, then the you, weather gets so bad back. that you yeah. can't come home. And that happened to us a few oh. years ago. We went down to River Falls. We played. We won, thankfully, because it makes it a little bit easier. But the bus company said, we're not coming back. I think there was a couple of So we're down there. I get, you got no bag. You don't have a toothbrush. Right. Nothing. Like, my teeth had fur on them by the time I got <laughs> home the next day. <laughs> that and also, I, I, that would probably be the worst. I think uh, there's been a couple of times I know with basketball where they've Thought they were going to play, they got sent, and then they got told to come, turn around and come back. Correct. That I've been on the bus for a couple of those. Uh, that has that kind of empty feeling too, because you end up, you know, well, I've been on the road for an hour and a half. Well, it doesn't matter. We're not going to play. Yeah. So, so you got to turn around and come back. So you end up with a three hours. Pop uh, another movie in, and uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you, know, you get a free tour, basically, of of the highway. That's that's <laughs> kind of like. <laughs> you know, I've seen the these highways enough one. over the years. Yeah, so exactly, exactly. I, I don't need to have any more then. looks at it now. I think that happened with men's basketball a couple times during the COVID year. It did. Yeah, yep. where they were literally on their way, and they said, "No, you got to turn around, come back." Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and and of course, the X factor there was the COVID thing, right? But uh, yeah, there's been a couple times where it's like, wow, you know, and uh, the weather does step in and, and make a difference. But uh, today is beautiful. Great day out there. Yeah, and I'm not used to this kind of weather, by the way, at this time of year. No, early February, you can see your breath, but everything's still melting, so that's right, good. Yeah, the sun's out, the air temperature is warm, yep. so the, the snow is melting, and it's February, so that's It's weird. hilarious, too, because it's like you, you get out this morning, taking the boy to school, and it's like, okay, it's 24 degrees or 25 degrees, and it feels great. Yeah, it does. And it if this really is good. October, we are cursing up and down <laughs> about it's 25 degrees and we're going outside in this it's unbelievable how 25 in february and 25 in october are the same thing but completely different that's the the, the better thing though for like you and i because during the basketball and hockey seasons we're in climate controlled venues <laughs> during the fall where a lot of times we're not right you know so like if we're at you know nbc doing soccer that's not climate controlled up there i mean it's a nice press box but there's no heating. You got to bring it with you. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, it's cold. Whereas like Westman, the temperature stays constant. Correct. You know, at the Mertz, temperature stays constant. So except for that one day. Except for that one day where it was, I don't <laughs> it know was what happened. So there. ungodly cold. In I there. couldn't believe that. That was that just killed me. <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I came down in between games because that doubleheader, and I was like, geez, why is it so cold in here? I know. And all the I had parents. <laughs> that was the I had so many parents and fans come up to me going, "Is it always this cold in here? I never noticed it was this cold in this place. Do you play hockey in this building too? Why is it so cold?" I don't know. It just is. Yeah, yeah. And that was against Northland. That was the Northland because yeah, their coach is from down south, and she she had that drawl, and she came to the table and just kind of looked at us. Well, it got like, colder and colder. It's unbelievable how cold your gym is, and it's like, well, <laughs> you know what's funny is that that day too it started out nice like yeah. normal, and then it just got colder and colder. Colder and colder. Yeah. yeah, and then by the end of the you know the the women's game, it was like it was cold. Yeah, it's just straight up like, cold in here. I was inputting people had that, red noses and I was inputting stats and, that day, and my fingers were cold. Yeah, you know, it was, it, I noticed it up in the booth, and I was like, my goodness. Westman was probably warmer than the gym was that yeah, day. Yeah, it was really cold that day. But, but anyway, long story it, short. <laughs> weather matters. Yeah, weather matters. So does sports for us anyway. So let's talk a little bit about it, Matt. Let's talk about what happened last week. Yeah, we had uh, some mixed results, but uh, also some uh, some notable performances and some nice standout performances as well. So we'll Dive into uh, it. Yeah, we'll dive right into it, and we'll do off with uh, John's favorite team over there, the men's hockey team. 
14-7-2 now overall, 9-3-1 in the WAC, which puts them in first place by how many points now? They're in second place. Oh, they're in second place now. Yeah, they okay. moved into first place on Friday, but then point one on Saturday, so they dropped a point oh, okay, behind right. Stevens' point. Okay, okay. So, more on that later. Okay, well, yeah, more on that later. But they've won their last four now, playing good hockey at the right time of year. Uh, posted a two-game sweep last week of UW-Stout in kind of a weird split series, mm-hmm. Wednesday and Friday, where when those games were played. So kind of a – I'm not sure why that happened, but – I think it had something to do with ice availability on Saturday there. Okay. Because they don't own their buildings, so something okay. like that. Okay. But the Yellow Jackets uh, defeated uh, the Blue Devils two straight on the road. Both games are played at Finetti Community Center in Menominee, John's favorite warm weather. <laughs> Climate <laughs> controlled, Climate right? controlled building. They <laughs> 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 shut up the Blue Devils 3 nothing on Wednesday before completing the sweep with a 3-1 win on Friday. Um, yeah. I know you were down there on Wednesday. How cold was it? Uh, cold. <laughs> it's never warm, I know no, that. No, it was not Varying warm. degrees of cold in that Because place. it was, you know, it was probably three outside. Okay. So. Well, that was right in the middle of our really cold snap. Yeah, it was a yeah. cold snap. So it was like three degrees outside, so it was maybe 25. Oh, wow. 30. It's cold. It is cold in there. It's a cold building. It's a very cold building. Mm-hmm. In fact, I believe you've called it the coldest that you broadcast from, mm-hmm. so regularly. So there you go. Yep. Uh, on Wednesday, UWS got goals from McGregor Sinclair, Troy Quinn, and Gavin Rasmussen, while Dylan Milan pitched the shutout in goal, posting his fifth shutout of the season by making 23 saves. And I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, six combined shutouts between him and Miles now? Is that right? Uh, seven. Seven. Wow. Let's talk about that because that's impressive. Well, that's a new school record. Okay, I was about to say, yeah, because yeah, it's seven that's... out of, what, a 23 games? That's, yeah. So, so a, that's third, a... Like a third of the campaign they've had shutouts that's pretty darn good yeah it's a that's a new school record for shutouts in a single season uh dylan himself is now tied for third all time with five in his first year in his first year wow so yeah there's there's something there's something cooking there. something cooking there for sure but it was uh if you go back and look at the whole year i think i want to say it's like 15 games okay 13 games maybe they've allowed two goals or less that's crazy. So the the hallmark of this team Defense. is they defend. And because they're not blowing teams out. They're rarely scoring four goals. Right. Yeah, yeah. They defend. Yeah. And that's they know that now. That is how they're gonna have to play. That is how they're gonna have to win. Right. Yeah. Which is fine. That's that fine. There's too. nothing yeah, wrong with nothing that. Nothing wrong with that. But impressive uh defensive performance this year. I I know we haven't really talked about that, but yeah. Yeah. And it looks like they're they're still playing pretty darn well. I know you were there on Wednesday, so mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, on Friday, the Yellow Jackets got goals from Colton Friesen, Connor McLean, and Rasmussen again as Miles Hector just missed the shutout, stopping 31 out of 32. So even when they're giving up goals, they're not giving up many. No. So, you know. And that's... he was he was really good that night. Hector? He was really yeah. good. How's, uh, yeah, because I know he, he got banged up a little bit. Now he's back, so mm-hmm. that's good too. So. Yeah. No, he he played really well. Okay. Women's hockey now, 8-13 and 13 overall, 1-7 and seven the WIAC. They've lost six straight. They're struggling. Yeah, they're struggling, um, including dropping their only game of the week. On Saturday against number one ranked UW River Falls. Whoa, 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 whoa. They played Tuesday. They played Tuesday, yeah, but this is a Wednesday, so I only go the last week. Okay, they did lose to St. Ben's <laughs> in a game that I did 4-2. to two. Okay. <laughs> Kaylee Swearhoon, by the way, got the goal in that one. It's so Jenna Hoops. Okay. The Yellow Jacket goal. So there you go. I'll recap it right Thank there. Thank you. But then against uh, UW. <laughs> Sorry, Dano. <laughs> um, but against the. We uh, didn't have a show last week. That's why. I th- yeah, yeah, I, I understand. I understand. I'm just I, I usually go that week. Gotcha. Week. Yeah, that All was, right. Because technically that's eight days. But yep. Anyway. Okay. Uh, in that contest against River Falls, however, the Yellow Jackets' lone goal came from Gabby Andriachi, unassisted at 16:09 of the opening period. And that Falcons team, man, they're a buzzsaw. That, that outfit is good. Yeah, they're really good. Oh. 
Scored six times in the first and three times each in the second and third period to get the victory. Molly Black had 50 saves in goal for UWS. It's kind of unfair to have to play them three times in two weeks. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> that's that's a tough scheduling thing, but anybody that is having to play River Falls is feeling that same way, I think. Correct. Uh, that team is pretty much stacked. They're good. Yeah, they're, they're good. really, really good. That's the reason why they're ranked number one. Exactly. So there exactly. you have it. Yep. Yeah, so uh, women's hockey, like I said, six-game slide, and hopefully they'll be able to get a win here before the end of the season because they've got a few regular season games to go yet. Yep. Uh, men's basketball split last weekend, 13-8 and eight now overall, 7-3 and three in the UMAC. Right now they're in second place. We'll see if that holds. Um, but uh, split two games, like I said, defeating Martin Luther 76-60 to 60 on Friday before falling to Bethany Lutheran. 74-65 to 65 on Saturday. Both those games were played at the Mertz here in Superior on Friday against Martin Luther. UWS connected on 50% of their shots in each half. Really consistent from the Yellow Jackets. Took a 50, 44 excuse me, to 26 lead at the break from there. The Jackets lead grew, grew to as many as 30 points in the second half to post the season sweep of the Knights for the game. The Yellow Jackets had three players scoring double figures, led by Joseph Fahrenholtz, who had 23 points on 9 of 12 shooting. Reed Johnson added 13 points, while Levy McGill added 10 more. And then again, on a Saturday against uh, Bethany Lutheran, the Yellow Jackets shot just 39.3% from the floor. In the opening half, the trail 35-20 at the break. The Yellow Jackets managed to trim the deficit to one on two different occasions in the second half before ultimately getting outscored by two in the second half to lose by nine. For the game, UWS made 45% of their shots and were led by Javon Walker, who had 19 points while Farron Holtz finished with 15. I really felt like if they could have taken the lead in the second half, they may have been all right. But yeah, they, that's what I thought, Because too. it was it two or three times they got to one. Yep, yep. And they just couldn't. Get over the top. They just couldn't yeah. get over that. Yeah. I mean, and credit Bethany for making plays, a couple plays Yeah, absolutely. There. You know, they got a big game from Justin Shrupp off the bench. Uh, UWS did a really good job on their starters. Their main guys didn't really do a whole lot. Right. But Shrupp came off the bench, came in averaging like eight points a game. He, ended, he finishes with 20, I think, 20. He was 21. hitting everything. Yeah. He, he, he could have scored points. from the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. He was hitting everything, and he was the reason they won, Yeah, to be perfectly honest. So but he was uh, the best player in the gym that day. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and like I said, he more than more, scored more than twice his season average. So mm-hmm. not really much. I mean, that's nothing you can do about that. that. Yeah, nothing you can do about that one. Women's basketball also split on the weekend. They're now seven and twelve overall, five and five in the UMAC. They defeated Martin Luther sixty-nine to thirty-five on Friday before falling to Bethany Lutheran sixty-six to forty-eight. Again, both games played at the Mertz on Friday against Martin Luther. The Jackets scored twenty-seven of the game's first twenty-eight points and led twenty-seven to three after one. I had not seen that kind of performance from the women probably ever. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen them do that since the four-quarter format started a few years back in women's we basketball. looked up was, at one point, it was 17 to nothing. And I'm going, they scored the first 20. I know. Yeah. And, and, then, I, and I was like, whoa, okay. And then, yeah. again, then it was 20 to 1. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, 20 to 1 because they made one free throw, and then the Jackets rolled off seven more. Yeah. And it was literally 27 to 1 in the last minute of the first quarter. Right. And I was like, what? I think it was 27 to 3 at the end of the first yeah, quarter. Yeah, 27 to 3. They didn't yep. get their first field goal until two seconds or three seconds were left in the right. first quarter. Wow. Talking about Martin Luther. So, yeah, it was, the game was over early in that regard. The Hell Jackets led 40 to 15 at the half, and then the Jackets outscored Martin Luther just to put an exclamation point on it. 19 to 5 in the third for a 59 to 15 lead going into the fourth quarter. And from there, it was, well, you know, it's all academic at that all point. Academic. Everybody played for both teams the rest of the way in that one. Uh, offensively, the Jackets shot 41.8%. And we're led by Katie Dobson, who had a really good game. 18 points. She was 7 she had for 9. A really nice game. She did. She did. She looked confident. She's every... having a nice year. She is. She really is. has come on. Um, didn't play much as a freshman. Now, as a sophomore, she's in the starting lineup and getting a lot of minutes. Um, you know, and she's one of those players that's going to be an X Factor going forward. And sure. I know that uh, Emily Carpenter is trying to get her to shoot the ball a little bit more, be a little more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when she's aggressive and when she's feeling it, she's she can really hit it. Yep. And she really hit it against Martin Luther. Elise Beston and Erica Matson each had 10 points 
for the Yellow Jackets. And then on Saturday against Bethany Lutheran, the Jackets trailed by four after one, 33-22 at the half and 46-38 after three. And made a couple of pushes there where I thought they could have gotten back into it, but then Bethany Lutheran slammed the door in the fourth with a 21-10 edge yep. in the frame. UWS, 36.4% shooting, were led by Kalen Christian with 19 points. Matson had another double-figure game with 10 points as well. Men's and women's track and field, both teams competed at the Lake Superior Challenge, hosted by St. Scholastica at Burns Wellness Commons in Duluth on Saturday. The men won three events in the meet, led by Garrett Lynch, won the pole vault with a height of, cleared of 3.98 meters. That's an event I, that freaks me out. <laughs> I'll just, I'm just going to come out and say it about the pole vault. It just Something about it just... It looks like, like is it the pole or the vault that upsets you? A little bit of both. Okay. Because if the pole snaps, then I feel like you're going to go flying. Uh, and then if you if you hit the vault wrong, I feel like you could do yourself some damage too. Sure. But <laughs> it's just one of those. I love it when I watch the Olympics. Um, but watching it in person, it always makes me kind of go. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about it, but I enjoy it. Okay. You know, it doesn't freak me out. I know okay. I try to want to do it. But it doesn't freak me out by any means. Well, I mean, it's not like it freaks me out like Skeleton and Luge do in the Winter Olympics or anything like those. How can the Luge freak you out? It's awesome. <laughs> Skeleton, I understand l- because you're going face first. <laughs> but the Luge? Well, I mean, because if you at, at the speeds they're going, if you hit the wrong area, you could fly off and kill yourself. Literally. Fair. Yeah, but I, that's why. Like all the well, in speed skating, short track, those guys are crazy. <laughs> We've talked about this. I before. know we have. Those guys are nuts. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, back to track and field. Back to track and field and the things that <laughs> don't freak us out, such as the 60-meter hurls, which were won by Earl Foster with a time of 8.74 seconds. And then the long jump, Ben Babcock took the individual title with a distance of 6.21 meters. See, I can handle all that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's fine. Joel Jackets also had 22 personal bests at the meet, and Foster was named UMAC Men's Track Athlete of the Week for his performance. So congratulations to Earl Foster. Well and on the women's side, the Yellow Jackets set 16 personal records, led by Colleen Claude, who placed fourth in the 400 meters and eighth in the long jump. So, and then last but not least, men's and women's tennis. You didn't forget them this time. No. No, I did not. You almost always made, forget tennis their first time out. I put a little bug in my head this year to make sure that I didn't. Okay. <laughs> so that, Good job, bug. Yeah. Both teams uh, opened up their seasons with matches at the Baseline Tennis Center on the campus of the University of Minnesota in downtown Minneapolis on Saturday. The men defeated Wartburg in two matches, 8-1, to one, and McAllister 6-3, to three, while the women fell to McAllister 9-0. On the men's side against Wartburg, the Yellow Jackets got doubles wins from the duos of Jacob Zacharias and Andre Luiz and Benedict Kaibos and Matias, or Matias Miranda Silvestri in doubles, along with singer, singles wins from Igor Getin Chavez, Andre Luiz, Ren Karachi, Zacharias, Vitor Sakakabara, and Benedict Kaibos. And against McAllister, UWS got doubles wins from... Chavez and Karachi, as well as double another doubles win from Louise and Zacharias. And in singles action, UWS got wins from Getting Chavez, Karachi, Sakakabara, and Kaibas. So I nice will start. applaud you for how well you did with the names there. <laughs> Those names are not easy. They're not. So you no. did a really nice job tiptoeing through that minefield. Yeah, uh, that was see, I'm gonna be all up on my Brazilian and my uh and my Hungarian, <laughs> I think, before I'm <laughs> before the season's out. But that's a nice squad. It is. Yeah, uh, they're gonna be they're I mean when you post wins against uh, Wartburg and McAllister to start, yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be really they're good. gonna make some noise. Yeah, they're gonna make some noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of new faces this year too. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the fact that C.J. Schaffner, the head coach, has been done such a good job of recruiting players coming in, uh, you know, that's 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 helpful for sure. And Absolutely, we've kind of figured that with the way that they've uh, with the way they performed in the fall at the ITA Midwest mm-hmm. Regional down in Gustavus. So, because um, they had a really nice run, the freshmen did down there. So. Yeah. 
expecting big things from them. And the women, I think, are also uh, predicted to finish in the top two, yep. I think, in the, uh, in the UMAC North Division. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, both teams are now uh, off and running on that, too. It's always weird, though, when tennis starts up in February. Just There's something about it. it just feels Because well, we feel like it's an outdoor spring sport, and here we are with right. yeah, yeah. You know, five-foot snowbanks outside and playing tennis. Right, because they will play indoor and outdoor before the season's out. That's so, right. Yeah, there you go. So that's what happened uh, last week in uh, Yellow Jacket Athletics. It was a busy week. Yep, it was. Busy week, and it's only going to get busier. It is. Correct. You know, and we'll talk about that in the final segment of this week's episode of I Have the Swarm. But coming up next, a special guest coming into the studio here. We're very fortunate to have the commissioner of the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference, Corey Barkhart, joining us for a little bit. So we'll take a quick break and come back and talk with him when I Have the Swarm continues right after this. Can I borrow the sports page? Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking (laughs) Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and we're pleased to be joined by the commissioner of the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference, Corey Borkhart, and I... We've tried to do this for a while. Um, I think we had one that was snowed out, speaking of the weather. We were talking about yep. that earlier. And then another yep. one where it just didn't quite work out. But uh, glad to finally be able to get this get this to work and have you back with us. Yes, uh, excited to talk with you today and great to uh, finally be here on campus after a couple of attempts. Anybody, I think it was the first year. We've had, I think this is, is this the third time we've had you This on? is the second time we've had him. I think it was the first year. Okay, the first, yeah, we had him, yeah, the first year I think we had him. Because the second and third years were, were kind of derailed by COVID. We were supposed uh, to have uh, him on. Yes. <laughs> One of yeah. just uh, a few things that were uh, altered by COVID. Yeah, so yeah. That, I mean, honestly, that's, that's probably a pretty good place to start because I, I just want to, it, it was a thing, it happened, and I know we want to just ignore it and move on with life, and I understand that, but... I'm not sure people really truly understand the havoc that it played and how your entire existence as a commissioner of an athletic conference had to be altered to accommodate everything that was going on with COVID. Can you talk about that a little bit and just how the, probably the frustration, because things were changing hour to hour, not day to day. Yeah, And it was... It was incredible what you had to do to navigate all that with the different members of the conference. Sure. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head there at that later uh, comment. The the biggest challenge was just how fluid uh, we had to be and just how quickly, you know, the information was changing, uh, state, you know, department, health department uh, requirements were changing, NCAA, you know, recommendations or requirements. Uh, and so it really felt like we would meet in terms of whether that was the presidents and chancellors, it was the athletic directors, our admin groups. We'd meet, you'd come out of a meeting and some update just came out, you know, earlier that day or literally while you were meeting and uh, kind of back to the drawing board or 
here we go again. And so, you know, I think that was the exhausting part. That was the part that uh, was wearing just because of uh, how often we had to keep making decisions um, and, and at times significant decisions. But, you know, one of the, the things I think we learned also through that was that we could be more nimble, react quickly, uh, be able to make the decisions that we needed to to try to give our student-athletes opportunities still to compete. Um, so there there were some positives. I don't know that I'll expound on, on a lot of positives, but uh, we did learn some things, and, and obviously coming out of it, um, uh, just thankful that looking back, we were able to get the opportunities that we did for our student-athletes despite all those challenges. How close was it to being like some of the other conferences that just said, you know what, we're not even going to do this, we're not testing the water, we're not playing. Right. We're just not going to put anybody in that position. Sure. And yet the the administrative group, whether it's the chancellors and presidents, the athletic directors, came to the table and said, we, we need to figure out a way to get these student-athletes a chance to compete. So how close was it to not competing? And then kind of take us through that process of getting to the, well, we'll have a season and it's kind of going to look like this. Sure, yeah. I, I really appreciate in terms of our chancellors and our presidents uh, from the beginning we established priority one was was safety, student athlete safety, and our coaches and athletic trainers and and other staff members that are part of it as well. That absolutely was priority one. Priority two was trying to give our our students opportunities. And obviously we wanted to do that in a safe way, in a way that was mindful of um, best practices and and, um, being mindful of the impact on our campuses. But those two key principles from the beginning really guided us that uh, we want to do everything that we can to still give those opportunities within a safe environment. And so I think that helped us referencing some other question or other conferences that maybe uh, decided to completely shut down or really, really limited in, in what they did do. Certainly understand different perspectives and, and different approaches. But I think for us, because we established those two principles right away, that really set the framework of not are we going to play, but how can we play um, doing in a safe manner? And so I credit our, our campus leadership, our administrators at our, our campuses then of, if we're going to do this, then how does it have to look? And and that's really where a lot of the bulk of the conversation became about things from teams having separate, you know, buckets of balls or separate ball racks to, you know, keeping student athletes away from each other on benches and all those types of logistical things then really started to take all the time, meeting time of, okay, how do we do this then if we're going to do it? Um, but I really appreciated how our campus leadership groups uh, considered the students. And I think a lot of mental health consideration and, and uh, recognition that to completely shut down may have some adverse effects on our students and uh, their well-being. Um, but also, if we're going to do this, there's going to be a toll on student athletes as well. And so, uh, how do we find that balance? And and I think we landed in a, you know, reflecting back, it seems like a lifetime in a, ago in some ways. Yet, um, you know, was not that far. Even last winter, we were adjusting the basketball right. tournament schedule. Right. Um, but it, you know, I think looking back, I think we can say that we landed in a, in a pretty sweet place in terms of that sweet spot of um, competition, but done so in a safe manner. I really hope that, and I know I'm not the only one who thinks this, I really hope I never have to see the day again where I have 
a track meet, a basketball game, and a volleyball game in right. the same day, yeah. or a soccer doubleheader and a baseball doubleheader <laughs> happening well, that at was, the same time. That was yeah. the crazy thing about that whole, like, what happened with us as the league goes is that, I mean, we didn't cancel because some leagues canceled their fall together, and they just Completely. said, we're going to do things, maybe some in the winter, maybe some in the spring. We're not really sure. Like, up here, for instance, UMD, they basically just canceled the entire fall. So yeah. football, cross country, volleyball, and soccer just did not play. Yeah. And then they played a limited schedule after that with winter and spring. So that was sort of like how they handled it. And then for us, we just pushed it all back and just said, look, we're going to get everybody their chance to compete. We're just going to have to do it after the first of the year. Yeah. So, you know, so c- certain leagues did it differently. And the WIAC, I think, kind of followed along the same way as the NSIC did, which is to say, you know, we're just not going to compete. Like, yeah. I mean, you guys can schedule things if you want. You know, you schedule scrim- scrimmages or whatever, but we're not going to have any actual sanctioned events. You know, so every league handled it <laughs> a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, to be honest with you, it was, it was somewhat gratifying, even though it made our lives very, very busy and very, very stressful, especially the guys sitting across from me there. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, trying to get all these things in, but I think it was appreciated by everybody. I think the pretty much the athletes across the board from all the three, you know, uh, seasons, while it was condensed and everybody played together and it felt really strange. I think everybody also kind of came together and was like, we, we, we have to do this. We, like, we have to go this extra mile under these circumstances and make sure everybody gets a chance at least to compete this year. Yeah. Yeah, that spring of 21 where we were doing 15 sports in four months roughly, yep. kind of a January through May, I guess almost into five. But to your point, may we never have to do that again, <laughs> John. Uh, you know, and really our athletic trainers, our athletic communications folks, those were the real MVPs of that stretch. Uh, obviously, everybody was working hard and, and some long days, uh, weeks, weekends, but some groups in particular, uh, it was a, quite a stretch that, you know, you learn in terms of uh, what you didn't think you could do before, uh, perhaps falls into that bucket. You realize that, but that doesn't mean we should ever do it again. Right. <laughs> we'll try to avoid that 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, because I was, I was the same thing. Like, because. Yeah. Both of us, I mean, me more on the broadcast side, John more on just logistical, trying to get these things, like, staffed yep. thing. But, yeah, at the end of the day, there were plenty of times where we would sit in his office and I'd be like, oh, I just broadcasted volleyball and basketball. And <laughs> those are two different sports and two <laughs> yeah. different seasons. And I don't know how this happened, but yeah. this is like, you know, and scrambling around trying to set up the court so that you can play basketball and then right. follow up, you know, because you play two basketball games and then you got to follow up and then there's volleyball that night. And I had a triple – it's just – it was just – it was crazy. Yeah. I, I, it was the craziest I've ever – I mean – I spent like nine hours at the Mertz that day. <laughs> it, was a, it was a long day. Yeah. It was a very long day. But. I think at the end of our baseball tournament that year, I put out, I, I don't remember um, the exact numbers, but put in, a, I think, a, a tweet. The number of games, the number of meetings, the number, there was some stats that I remember trying to figure out there down the home stretch, and it was just mind-boggling. Uh, what those five months included. Yep. Um, it kind of felt like madness. Uh, sort of. <laughs> it did. Yeah. yeah. It did. <laughs> like, so yeah. that said, though, Coming out of that now, here in 2023, give us kind of a, a state of the union, if you will, be sure. a, appropriate because it happened last night. Yeah. What, what is the state of the UMAC right now? Yeah. You know, I, first you um, you hit it on, on the head in terms of we actually can start talking about things beyond COVID and looking forward and getting back to being more strategic and, and talking about what do we want you know the next chapters to look like. Actually, just a year ago, really about this time, the, our spring meetings a year ago, in March of um, 22 was our first meeting where I felt like we could allocate a lot of time to other than COVID things. Um, 
last winter, if you remember, we still, you know, had challenges that we were working through and navigating different things. So last March and then our fall meetings really were the first meetings that uh, we could turn that page. It felt like uh, it was starting a new chapter. And so I think there's just a breath of excitement and fresh air within that, even just being able to talk about things that are more forward thinking than survival mode a little bit. So on that front, um, probably, you know, some big things that I would note or focus. Um, one, we are talking about uh, postseason tournament field size for the future, kind of the championship uh, student-athlete experience right now for all of our team sports, team defined by the NCAA, your soccers, volleyballs, basketballs, baseball, softball. We're at four teams. We, we cap it at 50% of our, our membership. But our athletic directors group and our admin council is discussing um, do we want to look at that? Um, does that need to move to a different place? And so we talked about that uh, extensively this fall in the December meeting, and we're going to resume that conversation in March here coming up. But that would be a huge um, potential you know, development in terms of our conference if those postseason tournaments start to look differently as far as field size. We've talked about should those be a neutral site, you know, a single site? Should that continue to be at campus sites? Um, what are the positives? What are the challenges with, with those different models? But from a conference perspective, tournaments and championships are, you know, one of the biggest pieces that we focus on. So this will take up a lot of time and, and uh, um, focus just trying to make sure that we land and, and guide that to a, a place that our membership is excited about. So that's one thing that, that comes to mind. The other thing that I would uh, focus on is we're excited we can get back to just offering different types of programming and services and different things that we've done in the past and some new opportunities from student-athlete leadership seminar, you know, type of activities to we did a, a DEI event um, in the fall with the MIAC that we combined with uh, that I think was really well received by those that attended and I think helpful to our membership. So we're just excited from a programming standpoint to be able to get back into doing some things. We're going to do some things here in April for mental health. Um, really specific within athletics, mental health. Um, so those are the types of things, maybe more off the court, that example, or off the field, uh, that get me excited that uh, we can start focusing on again. We were talking a little bit before you got here, Corey and Matt. You touched on it, and I had to kind of give you the, hey, don't use all this material because <laughs> this is good stuff we want to yeah. bring up to them, though. But in, in talking about the state of the conference, we were particularly focusing on, on basketball at the time yep. in the conversation, how... The league is, it feels like the league is starting to elevate a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're starting to see more schools becoming more competitive. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I absolutely would. And I think what's important to note or affirm is, I think over the last three to five years, the top of our league has proven to be able to play with a lot of the, the leagues around us, the, the top of those leagues, which... Uh, typically, a WIAC, a CCIW, a MIAC are some of the top conferences in the country. I mean, we're talking top three to five, you know, in the in the country. So it's not just about regionally, but when you're competing with some of those conferences, you're talking about competing with some of the best nationally, which is, it, it's great in terms of it pushes us, but sometimes, you know, I think obviously it's, it is challenging. But I think our top teams have proven, especially those first rounds of NCAA championships, uh, you know, even some non-conference records for our top teams that... Um, they're having some success. Where I think we're starting to see it a little bit more, men's basketball is a good example. Mm -hmm. I think baseball this spring we're going to see it. Uh, is volleyball, we've seen it a little bit more in recent years, where that middle of our league is, is really competitive, and not just competitive within the conference parity, 
but solid even outside of the conference, getting some pretty solid, you know, impressive wins non-conference-wise outside of our conference. So, you know, I know for men's basketball this year, overall we have a, a winning record for non-conference. We're going to have, I think, six teams that finish over 500 at least um, overall. Has that happened before? Not that we were trying to figure out the last time or go back as far as we could to find it. We, to our knowledge, I think so. Okay. Um, so, you know, and not just a solid non-conference record for men's basketball in particular, but when you start looking at record against the MIAC, record against the YAC, CCIW, it, solid records, you know, against some of those really, really solid leagues. So it, that's a good sign. Obviously, hopefully we can continue to sustain that and, and build on that in some other sports. Uh, but to me, that shows in terms of uh, health and kind of viability and progress of some programs that there's some tangible progress. I agree. I mean, this is something, like I said, John, totally to hold off a little bit. But we just started banding it around, and we ended up going that direction because we've seen it on our campus with uh, men's soccer. Mm-hmm. Our men's soccer program is pretty darn good. I mean, they can compete with just about anybody. Absolutely. Um, we see it year after year. Um, really, probably in the NCAA tournament this year, should have beaten North Central on the road. I mean, that was a game that I think that they feel like they kind of let get away. Right. Um, you know, uh, women's soccer, you know, I had to play Loris this year, which was a tough draw. But, uh, you know, some of the other sports, uh, you know, women's volleyball at uh, Northwestern, of course, has done well for a long time. So that's impressive. Uh, men's basketball, we had a top 10 win this year. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the first time we've had that since, I think, the WIAC days. And so, yep. um, yeah, I mean, the teams, you know, are coming along. You know, you, our, our softball team had a win against Oshkosh last year. That was one of the top teams in the WIAC. Um, so, you know, in baseball, our baseball team had a couple of nice wins out of conference, too, last year. And that's just from our perspective. Mm-hmm. And then you factor in, I think, the rest of the league, too. It's, it's gotten a lot deeper. And this is one of the things that you and I, again, talked about when it came to men's basketball especially, is that if you look across the board, there's been, you know, I mean, we had a top 10 win for Coach Polk's team, but they've also had some other nice wins as well in there. You know, they've, they've they lost a, a game by one at Bethel that they probably mm-hmm. feel like they could have won or should have won. Um, and there's been some the other game wins. at Stevens Point that you broadcast. Right. Yeah. Where, I mean, they were down by 14 at the half. They came back. They lost by four. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. they really have not been blown out in any game this year. The one game that they really did not play well in, I felt, was the Eau Claire game. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the games, I mean, have all been just about single digit games. I mean, just about everything else has been yeah. pretty competitive you know, across the board for them. And the women have even been pretty competitive in a couple of games. So, um, you know, it's, it's – the league is, is definitely growing, which is good to see. I think if you look at from where we – when we came in in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, to now, there definitely has been some major growth there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully it will continue, you know, especially since, like you said, I think for a while there the league was a little top-heavy in the sense that in, in each sport there was like one or two really defined teams that were going to compete and then everybody else was just kind of filling in the spots down the ledger now that's not so much the case now there's a lot of wiggle room and there are log jams in the conference standings now mm-hmm. so that makes those last few games especially when you get into men's basketball women's basketball i mean there there's a lot of stuff that could still be parsed out especially anywhere from two to six right yeah. you know all those spots are pretty much up for grabs right now in both the men's and women's basketball standing so yeah you know, yeah I don't and that's re- not necessarily something like i said that we've seen in the past yeah i don't remember this is my 15th year and i don't remember for women's and men's basketball being essentially four games out from the end of the regular season two weekends left where it, literally no seeds have been determined yet in terms of the postseason tournament or who you know making the tournament there's one on the women's side otherwise you know, seven other spots are still up in terms of securing those. That's and crazy. a yeah. lot of movement within, you know, those seeds still could absolutely happen in these final two weekends. So it makes it really fun. It makes it really exciting. You know, I think 
when it's situations like this, then those final couple of weeks, the games and the intensity is is even at a new level, which just helps prepare our teams even further for postseason, for right? Yep. NCAA championships, first, second, you know, rounds and beyond, which that's what you want. And so I hope, you know, the basketballs for this winter kind of become the norm as far as other sports too, where um, there's a lot to be decided in those final two, three, four games of the year. What does a run like Northwestern Volleyball had going to a Final Four, what does that do for the profile of the conference? Sure. Yeah, I've, I've said this to our presidents and chancellors often. I've said it in other, you know, governance meetings within our conference. We can go spend 50000 100000 100000 of dollars on marketing plans and, you know, branding-type initiatives and strategies. Nothing does more than winning in the postseason. If any of our teams make you know deep runs in the NCAA championship and and um, you know really represent us well that does more for us in terms of just awareness brand recognition recruiting you know which is huge for our coaches and all of our teams an identity standpoint and so you know to make a final four obviously in of itself for any of our teams is an accomplishment but I think for our conference it it certainly helps um, tremendously just raising that identity and awareness and from a recruiting standpoint um, I hear it from other coaches in the league that it, it helps them, uh, you know, when our teams are winning and, and having success. So that was, that was certainly significant. And, you know, you look at that particular team, I think I think the semifinal was the national championship. I think, you know, if Northwestern found a way to win that match, I, I firmly believe they would have had a really good chance to win the national championship. All of a sudden you start talking about UMAC teams winning a national championship, you know, that's that's a, a much different dialogue than maybe five years ago, 10 years ago, the, the conversation was. So I think it just gives our programs also reasons to um, um, to keep battling, to keep finding ways our coaches that they can be the last team standing in all of Division three, or they can be one of the last two to four teams standing in the entire division and know that um, that certainly is obtainable. I'm eyeballing the clock here because I know you've got a, a packed day on our campus here, Corey, so I want to be mindful of that. I know you have an 11 o'clock meeting here, so we'll, we'll end it on that note. It's a good note to end on, and uh, hopefully we get to have you back on the show again sometime. Yeah, I'd love to be back and hopefully have a little bit more time with you and uh, extend the, the conversation, so thanks, guys. We're going to take a break, and we will come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for the final segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm and I... I, I I could have two hours with that guy. <laughs> with Corey? Because yeah, there's know. so much stuff that I would like to bring up. I know. And and part of it, I think, is just I want to pick his brain and, and see what, right. what his view of the conference is. But right. part of it is also having worked in a league office at one time in my professional career. I, I There's there's things that, right. that maybe the normal people, normal people, don't understand go on in the league office right and i would yeah. love to have a conversation about some of that too yeah I, I for those of you who are not aware john did work at the ushl office that's what he's referring to um in the league office there so uh that's where he has that professional background and it's always interesting for me knowing that about you 
to see like what kind of dialogue you bring up with Corey mm-hmm. because when you're administrative it's a little bit different right than when you're you know just on like the day to day being a coach or a trainer or an athlete right or an owner even mm-hmm. uh, when you're in the league office it's it's almost all administrative yeah you know so you know that that makes it a complete because you really get into the business side of it indeed and so yeah I mean there's plenty I would love to be just a fly in the wall. And just sit there and listen to you guys talk about the business of the league. <laughs> that that would be interesting for me because that's an area I don't get and right. I don't understand as well as you and Corey do. So that would be fun for me. Um, yeah, it's it's great to have him though, even if we had him for a limited amount of time today. You know, just to get him in. Full it, disclosure, we were ready for him right at ten o'clock. <laughs> we were. We and were. they were late getting over here, so we started and recorded the first segment of the show. And then by the time we got done with that whole thing and got him in, right, yeah. then it, yeah. So we so were ready to go. We, we were ready to go. We could have had close to an hour. We could have. But we could have, but he's a busy man. He's a busy guy, and his schedule is loaded today. So, Well, yeah, exactly, because that, that's part of a commissioner being a, a conference commissioner is that you've got to go around and, right. and tour every every. Uh, you got to spend some time with each member. Yep. You do. And, that's uh, just the reality of it. Yep. And on those days, it's, it's hectic, man. You go from place to place to place to place. Mm-hmm. And that's where Corey's at right now. But yeah. I'm glad so that he brought that he was able to spend about a half hour with us. Though. Yeah, no, that was great. That was great. So good to have him here and uh, talk a little bit about sort of the state of the conference, which I, I always it's a, an automatic question for right. an administrator whether you're having Nick Bursick in here to give us the state of the program or you know the commissioner to talk, kind of talk about the the state of the league. But the one takeaway out of that, Matt, and we we talked about it off air a little bit is the Upper Midwest Athletic Conference has probably never been in a better place than it is right now. Right. There's yeah. still obviously plenty of room for growth, but when you are talking about a Northwestern going to a Final Four, where you are talking about, you brought up Joe Mooney's team that probably should have advanced at least one round in the NCAA tournament. Right. You're talking about a couple of different teams on the basketball front that could advance in the NCAA tournament, those weren't necessarily conversations that were happening a couple of years ago. No, no, and I mean it hasn't even been all that long since the UMAC started getting automatic bids to these tournaments. Yep. Um, for a long time, the UMAC did not get the automatic bid, so when you did win the conference, that was pretty much understood that that was it. Yeah. Uh, you were going to get some hardware, and that was as far as it was going to go. And now with the auto bid, you know, for the first few years, I think it was more about let's get there, get the experience under our belt, see what we can do, just experience what an NCAA tournament's all about, kind yep. of you know, because the NCAA tournament is a different format. Yeah. It's a different experience from other games. It just is. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without um, a doubt. You know, and, and some people will say, well, it's still just this sport, or you're still playing just the sport. It's not all that. It's the logistics that go into it. It's the travel. It's the whole thing. It's it, there's, a, there's a lot of extra things that also go into it. There's a team banquets and all this kind of other stuff that, that goes along with going to the NCAA tournament. Um, and there's a different feel about it. it. It's much more organized, much more professional. There's a lot more attention put on it mm-hmm. by the host institutions. And so there's a lot that goes into it because yep. you actually have to apply to be a host yeah. uh, for NCAA tournaments. And there's a selection process that goes in. There, there is, and it's, a, yeah. it's very detailed. You know, yes, it it's is. It's very detailed when you start going into these things. I mean, I've been a part of that on you know, several hockey fronts where we've hosted Final Fours. We put in bids for soccer. We've, we've done this before. It's very detailed. Right, yeah. And uh, there's a lot that goes into hosting an event that people don't think of. Right, It's exactly. not just your field and when it's available and whether or not it has lights. Right. Yep. It's locker room facilities. It's having a place to a lounge for the uh, for teams to hang out. It's having a room for officials right. to, yep. and uh, tournament officials to be able to have water and a sandwich. It's your, your media 
facilities yep. because you have to have post game press conferences and everything. So it's a it's a very detailed it's plan very that goes into hosting thing. at the NCAA level. But uh, it also you know I, I think that like I said that first couple of years where you got that auto bid, um, you're kind of going there just kind of with your eyes wide open and trying to take it all in. Mm-hmm. And you're not really worried about how the team does as much as it is just seeing what it's all about. Right. And then later on, you start pushing and you start looking for success. Yeah. And that's where I think we are now as a league. You know, it's it's nice to be able to get that bid and see your name show up on the election show and all that kind of stuff show up on the screen yep. and, and go. But then it becomes more about, okay, that's great. We're in now. How are we going to get next to the next round and then the next round? And then that's, that's where you want to go. Right. That's where you want to go because that's where the other leagues – like the Mayak and the Wyak are. Yep. You know, they expect their teams to progress. That's where we want to get to. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I'm actually – the directory of the league has actually been on the upward swing now for quite a while, and it's continuing, which is exactly what we want it to, be, to mm-hmm. do. <laughs> it's just the, the problem with us is our, our nature is we want it right now. Right. And yep. it's, it's not something that happens overnight. This no. is something that takes years and years to, to build. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and thankfully, especially on this campus – We've got several teams that are in that place right now where they're all looking for ways to advance. Right. It's not good enough just to get there. we got to go on and, and move on and play more than just one game in the NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, and so that is, that's exciting for us, um, you know, to have, have teams that have that kind of potential and to have that kind of mindset now. So anyway, anyway. Let's, uh, let's get to the schedule. Well, yeah, what's going here. on this week? There's uh, still plenty happening. Yeah, there is. Uh, we'll start with men's hockey because men's hockey is fighting for a conference title. Um, and they will be fighting for a conference title over the next uh, two games, the final mm-hmm. two regular season games, by the way, for the Yellow Jackets. And then we'll find out where the seedings fall for the WAG tournament. And the format there is how many make is it the everybody everybody makes it in. And everybody makes it in. The top two get a bye. Okay. okay. So and it's it's a really it's really an interesting way the schedule fell because you've got one playing two twice this weekend, right. three playing four twice this weekend, and five playing six twice this weekend. So there are implications on every single game this weekend. <laughs> Which is amazing. You know, Again. There, is, there is so much that could happen in the standings, or there's absolutely nothing that could happen in the standings <laughs> right. based on how these games are all right. scheduled yeah, Everybody out. could be right where they are. Everybody they could, could be exactly where they are a week from now, or you could have all kinds of upheaval in those standings. So it's, right. it was, a, you know, a really – a stroke of luck the way the standings fell and the schedule fell to right. have all of this on the line because all of these teams are within a, a couple of points of each other. Right. So you're, everybody's playing for playoff position right, right. now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of how you want it to be, right? Right. So that's where you want to go. And for the Yellow Jackets, I mean, they're in a spot where if they win one or Eau Claire loses one, they will have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. Okay. If they take four out of the six points, they're going to be the number one seed in the conference champion. So closer to home, that's what's on the line for them. Right, yeah. Because right now, one point is what separates the Yellow Jackets and Seeds. Right. So uh, the Pointers are in first, Yellow Jackets are in second, and they will meet Friday and Saturday, the 10th and 11th this coming weekend at Westman Arena, two games, 7 p.m. opening faceoff both nights against the Pointers and pregame on 91.3 FM with John starting at 6.30 both nights. Should be a dandy, should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and if, if there's any added incentive for people that need to come out or need an added incentive to show up because playing for a conference title isn't enough, the national champions from 2002 are back in town. That's what I heard. Yeah, they're yeah. all coming back. So for, that's the, cool. for the, the always popular 21st anniversary. <laughs> that was what's... That was <laughs> 
<laughs> I was kind of doing the math in my head, and I was like, 20, the 21st anniversary. Yes. It's like, this, this doesn't quite roll Thank you, COVID. <laughs> yeah, this was meant to be. This was supposed to be last January. Okay. And uh, Well, better late than never. It just kind of came right. We had, Everything was planned. Guys had flights. Guys had hotel rooms. And then we just saw right after the holidays, the cases spiked. Right, and we just kind of got. Well, to, especially you know, since the, those guys are coming in from all over the place. Well, yeah, and yeah. It, and and it was starting to get into that stretch again where games were getting postponed. Right, and yep, so yep. We we're as an, a department, we went. What if all these guys show up and we can't play? Right. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Just. <laughs> yeah. So it, <laughs> we talked with some some of the older guys on that team and said, "How do you feel about postponing this for a year?" So the twentieth anniversary became the twenty first anniversary. Well, and they're all married with kids. They get it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they they know. got it. You yeah, know, and exactly. it, it was it's not hard to cancel a flight. It, it isn't. It wasn't a no brainer. I mean, right. it was very much a no. It yeah. just it was a bummer. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, it was. You know, and as long as the guys were on the same page, and they were. Yep. You know that. So I mean, everybody was on the same page, mm-hmm. but it's you know it's just a bummer. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So, yeah. so plenty on the line. There's going to be a lot of good hockey at Westman this weekend, and uh, so. hopefully, hopefully we have a couple good crowds in there as well. Yeah, I'm hoping to be able to see uh, the game on Saturday for sure. I won't be there on Friday, but I'm hoping to be there on Saturday. So mm-hmm. should be fun. Uh, women's hockey also takes on uh, UW Stevens Point this time on the road though. Friday and Saturday, the 10th and 11th at UW Stevens Point at KB Willett Arena. 7 p.m. opening faceoff on Friday. 2:30 p.m. on Saturday. They need a win. Yeah, they got to pick up one of those wins. They got to get a win. Just, right. just for the just morale. For the, yes, yeah, yes. of the team. I mean, they just got to find some way to get a win. Out they of need teams. wins to try to close that gap between third and fourth place. Yeah. Um, but I think yeah, just for the the morale of the room, I think they yeah, need to win. they just yeah, because like you said, they're in a rut right now. And, big time. Yeah, big time. Uh, men's basketball Friday and Saturday on the road as well at North Central on Friday, five thirty p.m. there, and then on Saturday at Northwestern, three p.m. there. Uh, women's basketball, same uh, schedule in terms of the opponent. A couple hours behind, though, in terms of the actual start times on Friday at North Central, seven fifteen the p uh, the pre uh, sorry the opening tip with uh, the Rams, and then Saturday at Northwestern, four forty five the start time there. Men's and women's track and field, they are in action on Saturday the eleventh, hosting the Maday Classic at Lydia Thurian Fieldhouse, eleven a.m. over there. That's always an emotional event for them for obvious reasons, yep. and um, uh, so. Their second home meet, though, of the indoor season, and we'll see how that shakes out. But they're uh, performing pretty well. Both teams are. They are. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And I know people look at, like, the the recaps of the meets and everything and go, my goodness, that's a lot of personal records that these people are setting. Yes, it is. Right. Um, But part of that is with the youth, you're obviously going to have PRs, but the youth is performing really well. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're they're performing well. Yeah. Yeah, and the men look like they're primed for another run of the conference title. Correct. Correct. Um, and then uh, last but not least, men's and women's tennis. Their both teams are in action as well on Saturday. They're taking on Bethel at the Rogers Tennis Center in Rogers, Minnesota, and both teams will start at 6 p.m. there against the Royals. So that's what's coming up this week. Busy week. Yeah, it's a busy week. Uh, men's hockey is the leader as far as home events goes because um, everybody else is basically on the road. Yep. But, um, yeah, it should be a fun week, busy week, fun week. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully now uh, baseball and softball, by the way, are in the preseason workouts. So Yeah, they're officially in practice time now. So Yeah, so. Everybody except for golf, soccer, and volleyball are technically in season. Right, and golf is going to start thinking about getting things going, going too because they saw that NCAA tournament. Yeah, uh, I think you're going to start to see yeah. some guys using the uh, the golf simulator and, and everything right now to sharpen the swing up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's, that's interesting too because uh, before we go off air here, I just <laughs> want to mention a guy named Charles Martin. <laughs> Chucky. <laughs> Chucky who uh, 
uh, is a senior on the hockey team, on the men's hockey team, so he has a chance to win a conference title this weekend in hockey. Uh, and depending on how far, of course, with the auto bid, they go, um, you know, with the WIAC tournament. He's got that, and then he's got the NCAA golf meet coming right. up in the spring as well. So Chucky's got a full plate here coming up. He does, but the the thing is, he's he's a senior, right? Yeah, and he's he's only got like one or two classes. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because in your final semester, you don't have to take a full load of coursework. Okay. Right. So yeah. he's taking what he needs to take. Right. He's got some experiential learning stuff he's doing with the elementary schools in town, so it's not quite as full of plate as you think. No, but I mean, just as far as the sports go, because he's got to gear it up again. Correct. He's, yeah, he's got to go. <laughs> he's got to go from hockey, depending on how far they go. Right. With maybe some hardware there, mm-hmm. and then he's always won some hardware with golf in the in the uh, fall. So. Yep. But then they've got that crazy split. Yeah. Or they get six months off, then they got to get ready to go and play in the NCAA meet, which is in, I think, what is it, May? It's in May. Yeah. We'll so. have to make sure we get uh, a couple of those guys in here before the before that so we can talk a little bit about so it. So we can talk a little. I'd like to kind of pick Chucky's brain about the mindset there. because well, of, he's got time, so I'll yeah. see if once once <laughs> hockey season's over. Right, yeah. I know yeah. he's not practicing. We'll get him on the show. Yeah, there, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. But there won't be a lot of turnaround for him. No, not yeah. very much at all. Yeah, so. Anyway, that'll, that'll do it for this week's episode. We want to, for the Big Sound Matt Johnson, I'm John Garver, and thank you everybody for tuning us in. Hope you join us again next week. You've been listening to Eye of the Swarm.